0: Listening to the Okays Fisher Podcast, part of the Okays
1: Podcast Network, featuring your hosts Matt Strine and Greg Togs.
0: Hey there! Welcome back to the OKS Fisher Podcast. I'm Greg here on the line with you, and we've got Matt as usual. How are we doing, Matt? Uh, we're doing pretty good. A little cooler here than where you were, hey? Just a little bit, man. Um literally just got into town at 4 o'clock this evening, and uh, we're recording this a few hours later. I don't think I have the sand out of my shoes yet, and uh, I had a cooler full of fish, which is now in the freezer.
1: Awesome. Yeah. You also look like you brought some suntan back with you, too. Just a little
0: bit. Uh, a little <laughs> sunburn worked its way into a suntan. Um one day man I had an awning set up and I still managed to burn the tops of my feet and up my legs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was uh aloe aloe and, and lotion for, for most of the trip. <laughs> Sounds like it was worth it though. Yeah, uh, I can't complain about the results. Uh, we enjoyed our family time down there and definitely caught some fish.
1: And that's what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I,
0: every year I go down there, I have no problem catching whiting. And whiting are an unregulated species down there. Uh, the biggest one I think I put in the box was a 16-incher. The heaviest, like, the state record of Florida is a whopping 2.8 pounds. So you don't get very big to begin with. But... The best way I can describe them is if you filet them out, they look like a walleye filet. You know, you have that that lateral line of bones for about two to three inches. You zipper it out. You get a nice, clean filet, and they're beautiful. Like, everybody down there loves that particular fish just for a light breading, do a quick fry, great in fish tacos, choose your breading. I mean, anything works great cornmeal, shore launch, you name it, it'll all work real well for it. Does it
1: taste similar walleye to walleye too
0: then? it's, I would say it's pretty close to perch or walleye, yes. Awesome. And you can fill the box with it. There's no regulation on size. There's no regulation on how many you can keep because they're very prevalent. I had uh, some guys from Michigan down there. They were sick of catching them. They were, like, angry that this, that's what they were catching. They had people kayaking Pompano rigs way offshore into spots where they thought pompano should be, and they were they couldn't get away from the whiting,
1: and they were mad about it. It sounds like nothing to be mad about, but no. no.
0: And I I looked at him too, because he he kind of came up to me. Well, what are you catching? I said, Well, I'm getting whiting, well, any pompano because that's the other thing that everybody likes to catch down there because they are phenomenal table fare. And I said, Well, I'm catch, catching whiting. All oh, them stupid things. Why, you know, have you filleted one yet? Well, you know, we got walleye fillets at home. I said, well, you don't have to work as hard for these as you do walleyes, um, you know, unless you really are struggling with with fish in general down there. Well, I, I, I just, I think they're a waste of time. Oh, okay. To reach his own. To reach his own, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, we could we could dive into the the tactics of catching pompano, or pompano and, and whiting, Pretty easily. I mean, it, you don't you don't need much. Honestly, I tried shrimp. I tried sand fleas. As you saw, I was catching sand fleas down there. Caught some 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 spotted crabs. Um, threw them out there for reds. Never never had anything bite. Threw some cut bait out for sharks. Never had anything bite. I just couldn't get the bait far enough out because I didn't have a kayak. And the days I could go fishing, some of those days were pretty rough. Like you weren't getting a kayak out there. You really yep. needed to either have a drone or one of those remote control boats that you can drop bait with. Do they got those like potato cannon
1: launchers down there?
0: I have not seen anybody use it. Unlike uh, the guys south of the border here on Lake Michigan, they're they're cannon launching baits uh, mm-hmm. to to catch trout and salmon. Uh, I have not seen anybody, and that that might not be a legal tactic down there.
1: Oh, uh, but have, you would think if, if a drone was legal. That think. making a spud gun would be, illegal, or would be legal, but... <laughs> That's something to
0: check into, because I've built my share of spud guns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Explain that one to the wife. What are you bringing, all-potato launcher? Don't worry about <laughs> Don't it. Don't worry about it. Go through a bag of potatoes while you're down there. <laughs> <laughs> so were you... Uh, t- tell us about your tactics. I mean, you had a certain spot you were fishing. Yeah. What, were, mean, what, were, you, what were you doing, you know, day one?
0: Yeah, day one, honestly... I didn't I didn't deviate from my area, my area of the beach being, like, right off in front of the beach house because if the family wanted to go do something, then I could just quickly pick my stuff up and walk up the beach and, and you know, get to the house and we'd go have dinner or do lunch or whatever it was. Um, if I, I I say this as, like, if I had more time there or I knew I was going to dedicate a full day to fishing – I would have gotten the car and driven to a different part of the peninsula where we were staying, and probably actively hunted down the beach for a better spot like a wash or just some different uh different features off the beach. but i I figured if I could catch fish right where I was at, why leave fish to catch fish or find fish.
1: Yeah, exactly. It sounds like you had some pretty good luck in that one general area, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it was, public access was right there, so there was a lot of beach goers. There was a lot of kids. Um, Basically, if you got up from first light and fished till about noon, by noon you had kids swimming around your lines. It was time to pull them in. Sure, And the fishing shuts off, at least in the first trough it did, right off the beach, and that's the, the first 30, 40 yards you know, depending on what part of the beach you're on. But for me, it was that first 30, 40 yards was a trough, and then it was a sandbar out. And then over the bar, over that bar is where I had most of my pompano and some pretty nice whiting catches Um, in the trough early in the morning. You could get a lot of whiting right there. And for that close fishing, you don't need, you know, 12-foot surf rods. You don't need 10-foot surf rods. You can get away with a 6- to 7-foot, Walleye rod, essentially. Typical up here walleye gear. Yeah. They don't like 2-ounce uh, pyramid sinkers, and you kind of need a 1- to 2-ounce pyramid sinker to hold the bottom with the waves as the way they were crashing. Otherwise, they roll around, and they, you end up finding them on the shoreline eventually. Your sure. Your rig doesn't stay put. So you need at least 2 ounces worth of sinker. Um, if you want to run a Sputnik sinker, you could get away with a 1-ounce Sputnik if you have one or a two. But, again, those lighter walleye rods, you could potentially crack a blank. You know, you could potentially crack any graphite blank with that heavier heavier sinker. So, sure. Yeah. If, you, if you're if really going to get into walleye, or walleye, if you're going to get into whiting <laughs> fishing in the trough, I think a, a, a fiberglass blank type rod would be a better option for hucking those those heavier weights out there to get them to hold. And you don't have yeah, to go them far. Yeah, they got
1: m- yeah, they got more give, anyways. That's why they're most of those are trolling rods. Right. So.
0: Right. In fact, I got a couple of old Michigan rods here. I believe are fiberglass. The, some of the tips are smashed off of them. I might modify them and maybe put rod handles on them to handle, um, you know, a spinning rod or a spinning reel, and and build my own. I'm not sure. We'll we'll see how that goes.
1: So I should say I I, I might have jumped the gun a little bit when you first got down there. How or where or what area were you looking for bait in? So
0: that's great that you kind of went back to that. I Just from my experience down there, um, right in the surf line is where I was looking for sand fleas, mole crabs. Um, Everything likes them down there. Everything eats them. And the smaller ones we're talking about, nickel, the quarter size, those are probably the perfect baits because – those are the baits that the whiting and the pompano in particular, they have smaller mouths, those are what they can fit in their mouth. If you catch the bigger ones that are almost golf ball size like I was catching too, redfish will eat them. So I had some out there, but so will the catfish. <laughs> and once, if you put them on there, I don't know why, but they're an attractor for catfish. They stink just, just bad enough where the catfish want to come and find them and eat them. Reds will eat them too. Reds love them, um, and so do black drum, for that matter. They all eat them. But I wasn't getting any, any hits from any of those fish. They just weren't there. And then I talked to a couple other people, and they say, yeah, you can catch them from the surf. It's pretty rare around that area. They're usually further out, you know, like five, 600 yards offshore.
1: You ain't casting that far without no. a drone or something? No,
0: and some of my rods and reels don't even have that much line on them. So you need to be in a boat to go get some of those. Not to say you couldn't get lucky and maybe get one passing through, you know, with a current that, or tide that changed. Like we were on high tide down there, and then when the wind settled, it, it dropped down probably two feet. Okay. It seemed like two feet anyway, but maybe it wasn't quite that extreme. But it was, it was uh, pretty wavy the first two days, then it laid pretty flat for the third and fourth day, and then it kicked back up towards the end of the week
1: again. Did the bite um, change with those waves? Get better, get worse? It
0: actually, so the day it was waviest, it turned all the water real sandy, and typically that's not the best for Pompano. I did catch a lot of whiting, and then I caught caught the flounder. I Hmm. did catch that flounder, but the flounder, it was pretty crazy. The night before, it got real windy, it stirred up the water, turned it real brown, real sandy color. I don't want to get in the bathroom. When it's... Uh, I don't know how to move that. You, be- you better handle that.
1: I don't I'll throw the, the mic on mute for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Did you press pause? or we- I didn't. I just let it roll. <laughs> <laughs> the nighttime routine so. yep, yep. <laughs> um but anyway
0: when that water stirred up it took about half the day for it to calm back down and turn more green again and once it did that i think the pompano fishing should have been better but we also had a slight cold front come in but going back to the morning as the wind switched to the north the water laid down. It was already stirred up from having a, an off wind, which was, I believe, out of the southeast. It, it tore it up pretty good. But the wave action laid down. I was able to get farther casts, so I was catching the edge of that muddy water, and I did get two pompano. Ooh. But then I also got a pile of whiting. I couldn't get away from them. There were a <coughs> bunch of them in there. I got two gaff top sail cats, and then I got a ton of hardhead cats, and I guess the, the sail cats are somewhat edible. They fight really hard. You know, they're like catching a, a, a channel cat, like an 8-pound channel cat. That's about how big these were.
1: Sure. Cinder block with a motor. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that actually, and I don't think we covered this in the other episode we did about uh, surf fishing. Is So, you know, like when we're fishing here, certain winds make certain you know, shorelines better for fishing, obviously, because it blows bait in. What's, what are you looking for? What's good or bad when you're talking the surf? There's no shore except for the shore you're fishing from and it's wide open sea. So like, what's, what What are you looking for? What's the best type of wind? Is it the old Lake Michigan anage of East, East, West, vests? Is it, you know, something along those lines or.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a great question. I think, uh, when it did switch to the south, we had a cold front. It was going north. That The wind direction switched three times that afternoon. My brother-in-law and I went out, and we got one tiny catfish that was about eight inches long. That was it. And we had baits placed all over in the trough, outside the bar. We had them everywhere and just could not buy a bite. We just weren't on the right part of the beach. Or the fish just had shut off because the moon was... You know, maybe moon phase was wrong or something. I'm not sure. But again, I think the change of winds messed it up. But to kind of get back to answering your question, in that particular spot, my best fishing was with a south- southerly breeze blowing in. I think it was pushing colder water in, and the fish seemed to like it.
1: So just. So our viewers, know, and by viewers, whoever listens, and me, because I'm curious, were you fishing straight south? Were you fishing? What what shoreline were yeah, you fishing? Yeah, so
0: the way that... Just to dictate yeah, that. Sure. The way that that particular land feature that I was fishing off of, or where we were staying, it kind of, it's a it's a peninsula that comes off of the, the panhandle of Florida, and it actually comes south makes a bend, and it hooks north. We're on the spot that hooks north, so I'm kind of casting
1: southwest. So it's almost like the crosswind, not directly in your face, but you know, right. blowing up always, the shoreline?
0: It was always a crosswind. So if it was a, a southeast breeze or an easterly breeze, it was a crosswind. If it was a westerly breeze, it was more kind of quartering to your face, but still somewhat of a crosswind. You had a north northerly breeze that was blowing right over your back. You could cast a mile. So I was able to find fish every day throughout all the all of the you know the variations of wind, except for when that wind switched three different times in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I they just shut down. It was the strangest thing. But I had a great morning. Had a great morning bite. Uh, kept sixteen whiting, and that. Uh, That flounder threw back a ton of catfish, um, spot tail croakers, regular croakers, uh, weak fish. I caught two of them, which are kind of like a sand trout or a a trout, a a spotted trout or speckled trout. Um, And I think they were sand perch or something. They were another type of bait fish that just showed up. Pelicans were diving too, so that was a good sign and they were diving closer to shore than, than they were a few days before that.
1: But it's usually a school of baits in there?
0: Yeah. And I I was getting bites on all rods. I was pulling doubles with catfish and croakers and whiting. And then uh the afternoon bite, I, I had I had enough fish to clean there. I I just saved you know, saved a little bit for the for the afternoon
1: bite that didn't turn out. <laughs> So how many rods did you end up having out at any given time?
0: Uh, we ran six a couple times, and one was with cut bait for something bigger, either shark or or a redfish, and never got bit on that. Um, otherwise, it was usually five different rods uh, with variations of different float rigs, double drop float rigs, and then the close-in rod, I did run a Carolina rig, for, for hopefully a bigger whiting, and I kept getting picked off by little whiting and catfish.
1: Hmm. What's, how, what do I want to say, how far apart are your rods when you set out five or six rods? Are they stacked together and just flared out, or are they like 20 yards apart or 20 feet apart? Or
0: I, I tried it a couple
1: different ways.
0: Um, my best luck was actually going about 10 to 15 yards apart And then, like, the two end rods, I would try to keep those as my long rods, my long cast rods, so I had two of them with bait casters that I could rocket way out there and get over the bar. Um, Then, as I went in, I would alternate, like, I'd keep two in the trough, and then one middle one I would go further out. And that was kind of my sampling. So I had two in the trough close by, you know, in the trough, no more than 40 yards from shore. As close as 30 feet from shore, and that's where I caught that flounder. Um, let's see. As the bite dictated, I would take those out of the trough if nothing was happening in the trough, and I would launch them either on the bar or get them just past the bar where it goes from brown to almost green, if that makes sense. so And I would pull whiting from them them
1: areas as well. So did you have a certain area that always seemed to produce, or is it always every day was different? Like was the trough always producing fish? Was it always your deep lines? Was it
0: Yeah. So in the mornings, in the mornings before the kids are out and there's any disturbance in that trough and before the sun gets high, it's a great spot. You you have to keep you have to keep at least one one line in that area to keep them honest. If you're prospecting, run two in there and then run your other rods further out. If you only have four rods, you know, it's one of those things where you should maybe put one close, like right off the beach, experiment with it. But go one close off the beach, maybe one right before the the bar in the trough. So two ends of the trough, nothing's happening there. Pick pick one of them and go to the middle of the trough, see what's there. And always keep one way
1: out over the bar. So you said that... how big is the trough? It, it are we talking? Vary. Are we talking a yard or two wide? Are we talking thirty yards wide? So
0: this trough, so this this go around the trough was at least forty yards wide. Okay. I, last last place I stayed, the trough was probably ten yards wide, and then if you walked another hundred yards down the beach, it was thirty yards wide, and it dumped into a cut, and a cut is basically a break in the bar where it'll cause a riptide. So when the the waves come in, things push out through that cut, and the fish like to sit on both sides of that cut and and pick off bait.
1: That comes flying through or whatever?
0: It gets forced through. It's like a vacuum. So Mm -hmm. waves are pushing in. As they're pushing in, it displaces, and they circle and come right back out, the riptide.
1: So, how deep, do you know how deep uh, yours was, the cut you were fishing?
0: Yeah, the cut I was fishing this time around, uh, I would say it was at least five feet deep. Okay. In the deepest spot, and then all of a sudden it would come right up to, to the bar, and the bar was maybe knee deep. And then on the back side of the bar, it fell off into, I'm not sure how deep the water was, to be honest with you, but it definitely changed to more of a green-blue. So, it could have been 10 feet deep back there or more. Sure.
1: Did you have any issues with 15 yards apart on your rods, anything tangling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you had some okay as oh, fisher I things had a, happen. <laughs> I had okay
0: as fisher things happening left and right, my friend. Every time, when you get a bigger fish on, they always head right for the line. I don't know what it is. It's, it's like a moth to a flame, a fish to a line, it happens. You're going to be getting snagged. You're going to be getting tangled up. You get a wind, you cast, and, and if you're not real good, like, I'm out of practice. I haven't casted long rods with, with sinkers in a while, so I'm, I'm looking where I want to cast, and the thing, you know, you release too soon, it goes straight up and, and hooks hard to the right, or it hooks hard to the left, or the wind carries it, and, you know, it. you're bailing off line and watching your sinker, or you're looking for your sinker, and it falls in the trough. So it's not going where it needs to go, so practicing is... If you're going to get into this stuff and you get a couple of long rods and you've never casted, go grab a four-ounce pyramid weight, go to a local football field or farmer's field or somewhere where you got some clearance and you can start casting and practicing, you know, how to release and where to release. And there's tons of YouTube videos on it. I didn't watch too many of them because I just wanted to get a feel for it and then make the decision for myself how I wanted to cast it if I wanted to get crazy into this pendulum cast or just do the overhand or whatever
1: there's so many different mm-hmm. ways you can do it often when you whip you try to whip it out real deep your, your bait go flying
0: more than often enough um <laughs>
1: <laughs> what i
0: discovered this is a good question by the way what i discovered is if i wanted to use sand fleas or shrimp you know the the live or the the once live dead baits If I really chucked it too hard, they would rip right off the hooks, and I'd be chumming water. I might have one bait by the time it hits the water, and in the impact, too, you can knock the bait off the hook. So enter in the fish bites. Go check them out. They're they're literally, all I can compare it to is like gulp, almost like the trout nuggets, you know, but these are strips. This is a strip bait that's they've got so many different you know quote unquote flavors from clam to crab sand flea uh shrimp bloodworm they they've got a whole bunch of different ones different different flavors different colors uh, my best ones were the first day I burned through an entire bag of the easy flea the sand flea flavored and it's orange and white and it didn't matter what color rig if i had pink pink floats on it white floats it didn't matter if I had sand the easy flea on there, just all you need is a half inch piece elephant seed peanuts mm-hmm. half inch piece, one on each hook, throw it out there. you could chuck that stuff all you wanted. It's got a mesh internal to it, so the the flavored the gummy part of it is on that mesh, and that mesh helps hold it on the hook. You can chuck that stuff as hard as you want, you'll never rip it off the hook.
1: Hmm. So, did you catch a lot more on artificial than live? I did. Now, sidebar question to that, was it because you were launching them and had bare hooks out there, or was it just the bite of the artificial?
0: I I think because, one, it was color. It might have been some color, you know, a little more flash, especially on the day when it was sandier water. Um, I was using... They call it electric chicken. It's it's pink and yellow or pink and chartreuse. And uh, it has a very potent shrimp flavor or smell to it. Hook that stuff on the hook, not only do they see it, but they smell it and they can taste it. And they're just attracted to those colors, I think. <clears throat> um, I did throw shrimp on there and it would get picked off by the pinfish, I think. Pinfish are smaller bait fish that are out there, and they can be pretty pesky. And crabs, too, like all the, all the spotted crabs that are in that ecosystem. I have some rigs. of my float rigs that pull up the floats, and they're chomped in half, and, or, or they've been pinched on a bunch. You can see where the crab had been pinching on it, and they'll, they'll pull your bait down and eat your bait right off, off the hook, too.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Kind of like a turtle up here when yes. you bluegill fishing. Yes, yeah,
0: only you can hook turtles. It's really difficult to hook a crab, When, <laughs> <laughs> when, with especially with a circle hook, because circle hooks are designed so you don't foul hook something yep. or, or gut hook a fish. So circle hooks are huge. The fish hook themselves with them. They swallow the bait. They grab a hold of it, and when they go to spit it out, that little bit of a hangnail hook that's on the end of it grabs a hold of them I never had one that I couldn't release. Every every fish was hooked perfectly, either in the bottom of the jaw or in
1: the corner of the mouth. So I'm deviating from Florida fishing right now. Yes. Have you heard the old rumor with those circle hooks that you're able to, like, pinch it in your hands and somebody could pull it as hard as they could out and it doesn't hook? But if you pull it slow, it'll catch your hand and actually bury the hook in. That's how it was explained to me when I started fishing. Circle hooks, you never have to jack the hook. You don't. All you have to do is just reel because that motion, it's almost like a cantilever or something. Yes. So if you pull it hard enough, you can actually rip the hook out of the fish's mouth. Correct. That's why you like reel down till tension and then pull up. Yep. So You've noticed that too? I've noticed that.
0: And I've been fishing these circle hooks in particular for this fishery. Gosh, probably the last four times I went down there. I went to circle hooks and was pretty surprised at how well they work. And I even when I live bait fish for for pike up here with sucker minnows, I'll run a circle hook. So if because pike will gullet, they'll gullet the whole su- sucker. That mm-hmm. circle hook, you I mean you're always sucking them in the corner of the mouth, and then you you have a better chance of throwing them back. They they have a be- way better
1: chance of survival. Yep, that's just all around great piece of terminal tackle to have in your in your box.
0: I agree, and it doesn't matter what brand you use; they all work
1: really well. So, back on the topic of circle hooks, that's—it's not like a rule or a law or anything down there. It's more of the, you know, most accepted practice.
0: Uh, it might actually be a rule. I know for a fact with sharks in particular, it is a requirement: no offset circle hook. That's it. That's all that's acceptable for fishing sharks and they can't be stainless steel so, for obvious reasons cuz mm-hmm. if you're going to struggle with trying to release a shark and you just have to clip the leader or you know cut the hook the hook will disappear it'll dissolve within a few weeks yeah um the there are certain species i think out in international waters don't quote me on this but i believe that is that is the rule there you need to be using circle hooks.
1: So either way, check your regs before you go down there. 100%, instead of, check instead of trusting us less than expert guys. Here, so
0: exactly. I mean, FWC does a pretty good job of giving you all the information you need to try and be successful for one, but to, to understand, you know, why you have to do things a certain way. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always You always got to treat the fish with respect, you and, know.
0: And yeah, if you want to be able to come back and maybe your kids want to come back and fish them someday, you
1: want them around. But
0: circle hooks are not a bad thing. Like, you don't have to jack the fish. <laughs> when you get a fish hitting, you see the rod bouncing around, chances are the fish is on it already. The fish sets the hook on himself when they go yep. to spit the bait out because they realize it's got something foreign in it it always catches them in the mouth and they hook them themselves. They don't, all you got to do is pick up and reel, just like we would on Lake Michigan fishing, you know, for, trolling for salmon. They set <laughs> the the hook on themselves.
1: You just start reeling. That's all yep. you need to do. So now that we kind of told us about everything you caught, what you did, what I want to know is what you cook up <laughs> while you were down there?
0: We... Big surprise here. We treated this vacation as it's vacation. We're not going to cook a whole lot of anything. And okay. we didn't. I brought all of those fish home.
1: You didn't cook up one fish down there. I did
0: not cook one fish. I wanted to, but just the timing of it, you know, if we went out in, the, in an a evening or an afternoon by the time we're done, I mean, it stays light out until 8 o'clock there. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, we're out on the beach as long as we can be. Or, sure. or we come in early and plan to go someplace because there's a lot of good seafood places to eat down there. And that's what we did.
1: Hey, more power to you, man. I would have been tempted to at least, you know, fry up or do something.
0: Right. Well, and then, too, then it's a, a mess in the house to, to clean up after, and people complaining it smells like fish in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so, the like chat, I said.
1: That that might be good news for me then. When's the fish fry? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, we we're just talking about that because I I have a lot, a very large abundance of fish now, that I I can have friends over to do some fish fries, and it should be pretty darn good.
1: I'm, I'm liking that idea.
0: <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny that this Friday. Upcoming Friday, good Friday, there might be a whiting fish fry, whiting tacos going down in this house.
1: Oh, that sounds delish.
0: Yes. What else do you want to know about this trip? Uh, Besides
1: the fact that I'm sad I didn't get to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are starting to plan it um, again for next year.
1: I'll have to check into that because I got a Montana elk hunt next year. Mm. I may be spreading myself a little thin if I do a Florida fishing trip, Yeah, but not to bring hunting into a fishing podcast. Well, that might have to be a 25 adventure.
0: There you go. (laughs) That sounds all right. That sounds darn good. I'm jealous about the elk hunt.
1: Yeah, it'll be, yeah, three years uh, putting in points and cool. Hopefully, be able to get something done with that. But
0: good deal. So, overall, good trip, though. Overall, great trip. Had great weather. One day where it just rained a little bit and a little bit of crazy wind. Uh, but the weather down there is phenomenal. You know, last week of March, everybody's spring break. Uh, you can't ask for better weather, unlike you guys getting. Uh, the Northern Lights then going to a snow NATO and ten to twelve inches of snow in some places around here to crazy weather that that we experienced getting away from it was nice,
1: yeah, yeah I mean we went from crazy like you said snow NATO to tornadoes basically uh-huh. in the matter of like six days That's I cool. at least got I got lucky I didn't experience the snow. We we're up at the trade show, and it did not snow up there one one inch. So, wow, yeah, we got lucky. My wife, not so much, but she had to shovel the driveway, so <laughs> she was really happy with you. I bet. <laughs> oh yes, every time I go out of town, it's never fails. Big snowstorm happens. So unreal. But on a lighter note, the rain. Basically, I don't know of any ice left on any lake around us. Um, maybe it's, uh, up north. Yes, there's still ice up there, but we're looking forward to the future here and getting out on some open water. I know a lot of guys are out walleye fishing and, you know, steelhead fishing in the tributaries. I guarantee you people will be out for pan fish here pretty quick too. So got a lot to look forward to.
0: Yeah, uh, crappies, bluegills not far behind. It's go time here in the upper Midwest. Yep, to get out and chase some walleyes, some panfish, even bass.
1: That's legal now too. Catch and release bass.
0: I I kind of, it's really kind of at the back of my mind until opening day. I don't know why it is, but
1: we can. Well, for you, yeah, for years it's been ingrained. Yeah, it certainly has. mm -hmm. But my
0: little lake here wouldn't be a bad lake to go hit the marsh for for some smaller uh, pre spawn largemouth.
1: Might have to set that up here before turkey season hits.
0: Yes, sir. Hmm. Things to ponder. Water to fish. Yes. Well, what do you think? Call it an episode? i say it was pretty good. Good. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully it was good. If it's not... Tune in next week. It'll be better. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) Stay okay. Keep your drags tight and keep a bend in that rod.